The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. In the quiet countryside of Connecticut lies a scenic farm featuring beautiful red and white buildings, a pond, a wooden landscape, stone walls, even a stone picnic table and benches from the 1800s. The open meadows, hardwood forests, and wetlands provide wildlife habitats for a plethora of animals. Birds, amphibians, and reptiles call this quiet place home. From nesting songbirds and wild turkeys to snakes and lizards, frogs and toads to butterflies and bats, the carefully designed and maintained gardens and woodland wildflowers streak the landscape with blazes of color, both from their blooms and from the stunning pollinators they attract. But it's not the features of the farm, per se, that make Weir Farm a national historical park. It is a self-proclaimed national park for art. Weir Farm tells the stories of three separate but interrelated artists who made it their home at different times, continuously over the course of more than 100 years without ever falling into ownership outside of those families. As an added bonus, this small national park property, the only one in Connecticut, makes the creation of art accessible to the general public. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the America's National Parks Podcast. In 1882, portrait and still-life painter Julian Alden Weir, who also worked as an art buyer and collector, was offered a 153-acre farm in Branchville, Connecticut, along with $10 in cash as payment for a painting he had acquired while in Europe. After careful contemplation, Weir agreed to the deal. He planned to use the property as a hunting lodge and occasional getaway retreat to escape from life in the big city. Yet he yearned so for his rural retreat that Weir Farm became his primary residence for the remainder of his life. And with that transaction, Weir Farm began its long and illustrious relationship with art, transforming the artists who lived there in the process. Here's Abigail Trebu. Born into a family of artists, Julian Alden Weir specialized in classical portrait and still life, scoffing the budding genre of impressionist painting. Originally used as a derogatory term for a radical style of art, impressionism first took hold in France with famous French artists such as Monet, Degas, and Renoir, and focused on the way the human brain processes its visual images, often as a melding of shapes and hues, rather than an exacting replica of every detail the eye sees. Ridiculed by classically trained painters steeped in realism, Impressionist painting became a mainstream art form first in Europe and later in America. As a means of expressing the first impression, typically of a landscape, Impressionist paintings were often completed outdoors rather than in a studio. Holding fast to his ideals and training, Weir said, I never in my life saw more horrible things. They do not observe drawing nor form, but give you an impression of what they call nature. It was worse than a chamber of horrors. Yet painting amidst the lush setting of his farm, he began to transition to landscape painting. 
and most notably on-plane air painting, focusing to a large extent on his own property and the details of his family's life there. As part of this process, Weir adopted bolder and more progressively contemporary aspects of Impressionism into his work. Ultimately, Weir was dubbed the father of American Impressionism and became an important influence on the American art scene from just after the Civil War to World War I. As he became immersed in this new style and embraced painting on plain air, Weir said that his eyes had been opened to a big truth and that he was no longer restricted to preconceived notions of what a painting ought to look like. The farm held an allure for well-known artists beyond Weir himself, extending from his second wife, Ella Baker Weir, a photographer, and his brother, painter John Ferguson Weir, to prominent area artists, all of whom would visit Weir Farm for the spectacular views to be captured on their canvases. Weir continued to improve on the land throughout his tenure there, purchasing adjacent property, adding a pond, clearing parts of the woodlands, adding features, all with the goal of expanding his perspectives for his paintings. Yet some things remained traditional. On his farm, which was a working farm, he steadfastly refused to modernize his farm equipment. The old, rusted equipment provided better subject matter for his art. Weir Farm had truly become a marriage of nature and art. So upon Julian Alden Weir's death, what would become of the property that had become so entwined with the art history of New England? The property remained in the Weir family under the stewardship of his daughter, Dorothy, herself a painter and printmaker, who maintained her father's art studio, nestled in a small building near the family house in the barn. Years later, Dorothy married the sculptor Mahanri Young, grandson of famed Mormon leader Brigham Young, and once again a big-name artist was living at Weir Farm, although Young focused on statues rather than landscape paintings. He immersed himself in his artwork at Weir Farm, adding a sculpture studio to the property. His largest commission was created in his studio, a massive multi-subject sculpture titled This is the Place, a monument commemorating the exact location in the Salt Lake Valley, marking the end of the Mormon Pioneer Trail, where the Mormons settled 100 years prior. He also sculpted the statue of Brigham Young that is on permanent display in Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. Young brought a different kind of art to the farm, replacing landscape painting with bronze-cast people. But still, he was like his father-in-law before him, an art trailblazer in the rolling hills of Connecticut. Rather than sculpt famous people, he created pieces both large and small that depicted the life of working-class people, farmers, stonemasons, construction workers, and boxers. Following Young's death, his friend and fellow artist Sperry Andrews purchased the farm. Together, Sperry and his wife Doris painted scenes from the farm, as had the artists who preceded them. Beyond serving as their own immediate art inspiration, Sperry and Doris recognized the special relationship that Weir Farm represented, the intersection of nature and art. Painting it was not simply enough. Doris recognized the cultural and historical importance of Weir Farm and wanted to retain the house and farm in the style and era of Julian Alden Weir and his family. Not everyone agreed. The area had become prime land for new housing developments, which infringed on the borders of the farm. 
Along with Weir's daughter, Cora, they undertook an effort dubbed Citizens to Preserve Weir Farm. Using slogans such as Julian Weir Lives and Save the Farm. In 1990, their efforts led to Weir Farm becoming a unit of the National Park Service to be preserved in the spirit of on-plane-air art. And Sperry and Doris were granted life tenancy on the property as it opened to the public as part of the History of Art in America, a working museum. What exactly is the legacy of Weir Farm? Certainly, it preserves most prominently the life and art of Julian Alden Weir and Mahonry Young. The Weir House, the Caretaker's House, the Barn, the Weir Studio, and the Young Studio all remain on the grounds today. Casts of some of Young's most famous sculptures adorn the studio. The Secret Garden, the Terraced Gardens, and the Sunken Garden delight visitors, along with the charm of the stone walls throughout the property. But this is more than a place to learn about the lives and work of the famous artists who made this farm their home, their workspace, the core of their very being. You, the visitor, are invited to enter this realm, not just as observers, but as active participants. Just as Mahanri Young, despite his vocation as a sculptor, often meandered around the property, capturing the beauty of nature and the daily life of the farm in a sketchbook he kept in his pocket, visitors are welcome to create art at Weir Farm, to embrace the creative practice of on-plane air art. So go visit the park in person, stop by the visitor center and pick up free to use art supplies, whether colored pencils or watercolors, wander the rolling hills or sit on one of the stone walls and let the magnificent setting lure you as you capture the landscape from your vantage point in your own original masterpiece. You can then enter your work in the next Art in the Park Festival and become part of a Weir Farm art exhibition and cement your legacy with your original art in the park. In 2020, Weir Farm was redesignated from a National Historic Site to a National Historical Park. The park is featured on the 2020 Connecticut Commemorative Quarter Coin, and it's open year-round from dawn to dusk. But the buildings, including the restrooms, are closed from November through April. It can be easily added as an extension to a trip to New York City or as part of a New England road trip as a day commuting with nature or an immersion in art whether from the exhibits that comprise an official feature of the park or your own foray into artistic creation on site. You can walk in the footsteps of the artists who lived at Weir Farm on the self-guided painting sites tour, view the artwork of Julian Alden Weir, Mahanri Young, and Sperry Andrews, as well as other contemporary artists in rotating exhibits. You can take part in a day-long workshop on impressionist paintings or simply pull out a sketch pad and some watercolors to create on-plane-air masterpieces of your own at Weir Farm. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trebu, and written by Lauren Eisenberg Davis. Help support the show and independent journalism by becoming a member of the America's National Parks Patreon community. For less than one latte a month, you can help us increase public lands awareness and ensure these amazing places are here for future generations. More information can be found at patreon.com slash National Parks Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group, now over 95,000 members strong, to get all your National Park questions answered and see tons of amazing photos and videos. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. <laughs>